Yeah. Hey, let's pray together. Lord God, we celebrate this season and we rejoice in you. And God, it's easy to get caught up in the materialism and the things we have to do and accomplish. And so this morning, God, as we come before you, we've come open to see what you have done, to reflect on what you have done, to remember what you have done. And God, as we look at our lives and we look how lost we were until we found you, God, we want to say thank you for that. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for coming to earth to suffer for us, God, for going to the cross and then rising from the dead. Lord, we rejoice in your death. We rejoice in your life because it gave us life. Thank you for that. And this morning, God, as we approach your word, as, as we live here today with you, I ask that you would guide us, you would instruct us, and you would meet each of us where we're at and where you have us to go, God. Speak to us now. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. Please be seated. Ah, oh, that's fun. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, daughter. That was my girl. Uh, there's no nepotism, by the way. There's nothing like that here, you know. <laughs> you know, I just, I'm just thrilled. You know, you look at uh, the, the things that are going on. You know, here our young people are going out the door. There's people that are serving over there with the high school. You have people that are serving up here up front. There, there are many facets. And for you serving, we want to say thank you so much. You know, there's a lot that makes this go on. You see the decorations, but everybody from the pancake breakfast and beyond. There's a lot that goes into this because this is important. It's a good place for us to come back and reflect on and to see and then leave here differently. We see, we don't just come here to feel good about ourselves. We come here to, to get encouraged, to grow, to get convicted and to go out and enjoy God in the world with us. You know, this series that we're going through in Christmas is called God With Us. And this last week, I did go up to the mountain to get our Christmas tree. And so you're going to hear a lot about Christmas trees this week or next week. You know, it's fun because we went up there and we went into the mountains and it just had snowed. So there was four inches of just beautiful powder on the ground. No one's up there at all. We had it all to ourselves and we, and we go into the woods to find the perfect Christmas tree. And we didn't find it, by the way, but we, we found one. And, and but we go out there and, and all, there were a whole bunch of us. And I said, all right, divide and conquer. Everybody go out. And so everybody went out into the woods searching for that tree. And pretty soon I found myself away from earshot from everyone. It was quiet. It was peaceful. You know, it was that crisp air, the cloud cover was still there, and there was, there was nothing. I was like, oh. And that's when you get into that, and I, I remember some friends calling it God's Cathedral. And I was up there with him, and I'm up there alone, and I'm like, wow. You could just feel the presence of God. And, and as I stick, take a step back and I, back and I remember that, that moment that I thought that and I was up there and just enjoying it, I realized, you know, hey, this is something that I don't have to experience just up here being alone. God with me is much more than me going up into his cathedral. His, his oneness with me is every moment of every day. And I get to enjoy that. 
And so often as believers, we forget that we don't have to have a special part, a special place, a special time. There is something about God that is in us all the time, and we can enjoy Him constantly. Yet we forget it. You see, we're reminded of this out of Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. It says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall, and then, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. We get to experience that. I mean, this is, this is something that is, that is an amazing thing. God coming to earth and being incarnate being here with us that is something not to take lightly leaving his 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 majesty but not his deity coming into his creation to die coming into his creation to make us new to bring us back into that unity with him that's why he came and so today, we've got to relearn some things. We've got to remind ourselves some things about our God and that we can respond to this. And so you'll see today's title is My, My Response to God With Us. How was your response to Him? Some of us, it's very passive, like, oh, whatever. Some of us, it's very active. But there needs to be a response we need to understand that this is something that not to take lightly, that we can enjoy throughout our lives and throughout every moment of them. See, we can know Jesus and we can understand him, certainly. But you know what happens? What happens is you know him truly when action takes place. When action See, a lot of us, we're not very active in our faith. We kind of sit back and, and we forget that his whole purpose for coming to earth was to die. And so him living in, a, in, in the dirtiness of this world and coming in and, and, and the way as a child, it wasn't a very majestic way. It was an ordinary way. And yet he came to live an ordinary life supernaturally with us to show us and then not only that, to die for us. And he went to the cross and gave his life why? So man and woman could now have a relationship with God. And we know this. We know what it says, as, as Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You see, the word there is belief. But as we know in Hebrew, and the understanding is, is when you believe something, you act upon it. Belief is an action. It's not just something I believe, you know, no, no, no. It's, it's a step forward of faith. It's a step forward in what you do. Dallas Willard said it like this. He said, we believe something when we act as if it were true. This is where Christians lose it. We don't act as if it were true. We don't live as if it were true. It's like this, as we see in, in Romans chapter 6, in verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin, your earnings for sin, is death. And we know that. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the gift of God it deserves an action. 
How many times have I say this? It's like Christmas, right? You, you get the gift. It's under the tree. And you just go, okay, I'm going to get that gift. My family, you used to always get it on Christmas Eve because we had no patience. We're getting the gift now, you know? Now I have to wait. Stupid, I should get it now. But the gift, you wait for it. And you want the gift. And then what happens is you take the gift. You possess it. And so many Christians, they, they take it, but they only go so far. Maybe you're one of those Christians that go, I got my gift. And you unwrap the gift. And you go, ooh, it's a pretty gift. But you never use the gift. You possess the gift. You ever get a present like that where you get it and you, and you don't do anything with it? I've done that. I'm, I'm kind of ashamed. I, I get this gift. I go, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And you put it on the shelf. Like I got a white elephant gift last year. It was great. And a lot of people mock it because they try to give things away at the white elephant parties. I, I, I look for something I really need, like the Sasquatch one that says Sasquatch Crossing, right, for Bigfoot. I finally used it. I put it in the house, my mom's house up in Payson because that's where it needs to go, right? But for a year, it sat there unused. And the thing is, is so often in our faith, in our walk with God, is what do we do? We, use, we don't use something. We don't use God. We aren't involved with God. We aren't using and, and enjoying the benefits of God. We miss it. We miss what it is. You see, a lot of times we don't want God. Did you know that? Because you get the gift of God, and then sometimes you realize, you know what? God wants something different from me. But I like to do, I want to call the shots. I don't want to do God's thing, because I want to be god but that's not how it works see a lot of christians we get to the point of possessing the gift and we don't go any further but god calls us to something more transformation i'm going to go to john in chapter 4 or chapter 12 verse 46 44 it says and jesus cried out and said he who believes in me does not believe does not believe in me but him who sent me. He who sees me sees the one who sent me. I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. What Jesus is saying, he's saying, if you put your faith in me, you believe in me, there's a change there. You will see, you will, be, you will see the light and you won't live in the darkness. How many Christians are still living in the darkness? They're living like the world, and we've got to guard ourselves from that. See, we need to take steps of action. See, God did his part. Jesus came down, and he died for us, and he rose again. His blood covers our sin so that now we are righteous in God's sight. Because without a sacrifice, without Jesus, you could never have a personal relationship with God. Because an imperfect, meaning the perfect, would never keep the perfect perfect. So you had to be perfect to meet with God. And Jesus came in and did that. And that's called sanctification. He made you right before God. And then something happens. He made you right and gives you the ability to follow God's way. And that is called consecration. That's your job. See, he's given you the ability. He's given you himself so you can go forward and transform your life. 
and be righteous with God's help. But many of us, we don't want to go there. We don't want to live that way because we want to call the shots. How many people here like to call the shots in their life? Because sometimes, you know, God, his ideas aren't that really good because I know what's best for me. I know what's best for me. I know what I need more than anything. And we say this to ourselves, and we actually believe it, just like the world does. Did you know that's why people really don't want God? People don't want God. They don't want to be saved. Why? Because they like being God. And the sad part is, is they're not very good at it. And neither are we. Look at your life. How good are you at doing God's job? We're not, too, we're not too good at it. So I'm going to ask you a question, and, and we're going to actually refer back to this for the next few months, believe it or not. Do you want God, or do you want to be God? See, that's the crux of it all. Why are you living wayward? Because you want to be God. It's really good to want God, but you have to want God's way. That's what it means to be a believer. We should want God's ways. Now, sometimes we don't want to do those things, but we should want them. We should want to go forward to them, with them. And a lot of times we miss out, we miss out on this. We miss out on the perks of it because we think God is there to reign on our parade. But let me remind you of your Father in heaven. Out of Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, it says, If you then, being evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give you, give what is good to those who ask him? Now, right there, the immaturity side of us just goes, yes, I am going to ask God for that one thing. I want an iPhone 30, right? I want that. Come on, God, that's a good gift. I could use it. And we think that way. And that's not what God's getting at here. He goes, you want to live for me? You want a good gift? All right, you want to live a consecrated life? I'm here to help you. You've got to ask for it. See, there's an action. If you want to live as you know best, as God knows best, I mean, come on, who else knows better than God? He created everything. Not, not the media. No, they don't know what's best. Not, not advertising, not social media, not your friends. God knows best for you. And so what we can do is we can ask him to help us live for him. That's the action of faith. That's our response to God with us. He's with us. He's given us the ability. And how much more will he go, yes, I want to help you. You ever been in one of those situations where you got some thought in your head? You just go, oh, I hate these kind of thoughts. And you just go, God, cleanse my mind. Do this for me. Make me have your thoughts, your ways. I don't need this. And then it's like five minutes later, you forget what that thought was. That's God. You, you want to know that God, he's there for you. He wants to help you in these things because you are his child. He's not there going, hey, go out there, fall, and, and blow it. No, he goes, I want to help you. That's why I gave you me. I'm with you. God with us. So how do we respond to that? Understand this. Please write this down. God with us involves acting on truth. 
We know the truth, but are we acting on it, asking God for help? It's, it's funny, we, we like to, you know, make it very serious or very convoluted about the things about God, where all we have to do is ask for help. Go forward with him. He's going to help you. That's why we call it the, his spirit who is with you, the helper. We even talked about that in junior high on Wednesday. He's there to help us. And we need to take advantage of that. See, we have to understand that sometimes to follow his truth, it's going to be good and easy, and sometimes it's going to be uncomfortable. But he helps us with it. He wants us to act on his truth. See, he's there for us in all our circumstances. I think of the Magi, and we're going to go to the story of the Magi in Matthew chapter 2. And it reads this. Many of you know it. We're actually going to talk about this again next week. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. So we see here, we know the story. Is What did they do? These magi, they were scholars. They understood scripture and books and astrology, all the stuff. They knew these things. And what did they do? They believed. They believed what the scripture said. How do we know that? They followed it. They recognized it. They lived it. It was part of them, the truth. See, it's not about, about you trying to just have your way. It's about you following God's way. Now, I'm going to do a caveat here. It's not about you forcing your way on other people. See, you, you are called to live and act on truth. And, and so be it for everyone else. What does God's word say? Well, we're supposed to tell people about the truth. That's what, that's what the Magi did, didn't they? They came into the city and go, all right, where's the king? We're here for him. They, 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 they said it. They weren't trying to, to, to cover it up. They were out there saying, I, I am here and I am looking for the king. That's what they were about. They were living it out. They presented what they were seeking. Their lives showed it. Understand, church, a child of God chooses to act on God's truth even when it's hard. Think about these, these magi. What did they do? They, they saw the star in the east. We know it probably took them two years to get to where they were in Jerusalem. Two years get all, all the stuff together, the provisions for the, church, the trip, and then they, what, they came. It took effort, hard work, living, leaving everything to pursue what they knew they needed to do. Follow the truth. See, that takes effort. That's uncomfortable. It's hard, and that's what we're called to do. But you know what? The world doesn't like to do that, and so do many Christians. We con ourselves into thinking the world's ways right and we should sit back on our laurels and just do our own thing and enjoy the process just enjoy it and not live for what matters i mean that's that's what the lost people do let, let me share with you here we'll go to romans 16 and verse 18 it says for such men are slaves not of our lord G, our, our lord christ but of their own appetites they do what they want 
and by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. See, what they, well, they like to do, they, well, let's do what we want. We're going to make our ways feel good about each other and that kind of thing. And some people are going to fall into the trap like a Christian because they're not living for the truth because it's hard. Some pastor might say, you know what? It's okay. Just It's grace, grace, grace. That consecration thing, the you doing your part, growing in Christ, don't worry about it. It's too much effort. You know, just shine wherever you're at. The thing is, is we are called to grow. And the Magi, they understood it, and they wanted God. They wanted to experience this. So what do we have to understand? Well, God involves, God with us involves living openly in the world. So often Christians today want to hide in our bunkers. We need to live openly. You know, who are you? Show people who you are. Let the world see who you are. Now, understand this. You know, there's some people out there that love to have that license plate on there. I've seen a couple just recently in my neighborhood that had Jesus on it and then something else after it. You know, thankfully it wasn't a curse word or anything like that, but it said Jesus. But you know what? They sure weren't driving like Jesus was driving. Whoa. See, the problem is a lot of us will live openly, but you know what? We're not living openly in the truth. I'll wear my Jesus Loves You t-shirt, but I'll go out there and tell you to do something that you shouldn't be doing, right? With my hand gestures or something. See, it goes hand in hand. And that's what we have to understand. We need to live openly in the world, unashamed. Be who you are. Because you know what? The lost people are doing what they are. They think they're God. They're not doing a good job at it. And you have a God. The God. And you're supposed to be living for him. Look what's these. Let's go to the Magi now. Verse 3. And it says, When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judah, for this is what is written by the prophet. You, Bethlehem, and you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, by no means are least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi to determine from them the exact time the star appeared. So what do we see here? We see something very dramatic. Is, you know Herod? He was what? King of the Jews. He had scribes. He had priests who knew the word. He was a Jew. He understood the word. That's why he was going, hey, where's the Messiah to be born? He might, wasn't a scholar. But you know what he liked? He liked being God. He didn't want someone to take his position. He liked the being the ruler, and Herod wanted God's job. He didn't want anybody to mess with where he was at. And so he contrived some bad things and we'll talk about that a little bit more next week he didn't care about the things of God did you know the world doesn't care about the things of God they don't care we sometimes we say oh yeah they do no they don't because they are in charge they want to be God that's why they don't have God in their lives because they are busy being God and many Christians have fallen into that trap we think it like that I mean look at Jerusalem what happened the whole city of Jerusalem was troubled with the king. Why were they troubled? 
See, when the culture is shown truth, it's troubling. When someone is revealing something they know deep down is right, it, it's, it's a troubling fact, and it happens in our culture. When Christians live for something that hampers the non-believer's way of living, it troubles them. They get mad, they get irritated, they get upset. And when they see you living differently, they understand they are not living as they should. And so, church, we got to understand that we need to still live openly. We need to remind them that they are not God. We don't, we don't force it down their throats. We don't say, hey, you know what, turn or burn. No, we say, this is my life. This is what I'm doing. I'm living openly with my God for the truth. That's what we're doing. But the world likes to reject it, and so do Christians. And I'll tell you this. When you reject God and his truth, you're promoting yourself to God's position. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. And the thing is, you have God with you to live through you, and he wants to help you. A lot of people want to be their own gods but what what is the first commandment said it says in exodus this is you shall have no other gods before me that means yourself so christian are you putting yourself first before god are you are you buying into the lie of the world see that's not our response to god with us god with us has given us opportunity to live beyond what the world is living with that with that wonderful sanctification he's given us with the, the healing of our sins, of covering them over for all eternity. And so then we can live for our God. So church, understand that God with us not only involves living openly in truth, not only involves, you know, living in the world, but it also is living for God's purposes, for His purposes. See, we've got to be living for his purposes. So often we want to live for ours, don't we? We know that's what the world does. What are God's purposes? You know, he, the world says, you go get rich. You do you. You live for you. You do whatever you want, that kind of thing. You know what you're supposed to do? You go out. You do what you're called to do, Christian. God called you to make money so that you could, you know, help the church and not make money your God, that's good. God gave you the ability to do certain things. Great, do it, but do it for the glory of God. That's what we've been talking about when we went through James. We gotta do it for God's glory and not our own purposes. See, the Magi, they were compelled to worship and seek out Emmanuel, God with us. See, they were scholars. They had many books. They understood them. But they also understood the prophecy, and they were like, oh, this is our opportunity. They believed it so much so they spent an exorbitant amount of treasure to pack up their goods, their caravans, and travel for two years to seek out the Messiah. Now, I bet when they got into Jerusalem, it might have been a little, a little nice to be there. Being on the road for a little bit can do that to you, you know? You're tired. You go into a big city, I bet you they had like a five-star hotel there with an actual, you know, nice bed, a restaurant with a maitre d', 
You know, you're ah, oh, this sounds really good. Oh, sure, they had their caravans, they had their pillows, and they had all those fun things, but nothing like sleeping in a big mattress, right? Nothing like being catered to, get a little bit of that, that soil off you after being on the road for so long. It just, oh, that sounds good. That sounds really good. But you know what? They could have hung out for a while, but they didn't. They had a purpose. Look at verse 8. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go search carefully for the, chi- for the child. And when you have found him, report to me so that I may come and worship him. So I may too come and worship him. And after hearing the king, they went their way. And the star, which they had seen in the east, went before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. I mean, I just got goosebumps. See, these guys, they were on task. They were, they knew their purpose was not for them. They had means to pour it on themselves, but they knew that they were here for something special. And church, that is us. And you don't have to go very far to read why you're here. I mean, look what they did. They went to Isaiah. Excuse me, they went to Isaiah and Chapter 6 or 7 and verse 14. It says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign, and behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she shall call his name Emmanuel. So they knew that. They didn't have the New Testament yet. Where did they go? They went to the Word. They found the purpose. They found as their teaching showed them that the Messiah was coming, the King, and they knew what they needed to do. They wanted to follow the Scriptures. They wanted to follow God because prophecy was being revealed. Now that's exciting. They got the idea going, hey, we're going to see something God does firsthand. Wow! God with us. Church, you're living out prophecy right now. You're a Christian. You're living out prophecy right now. God with you. Are you experiencing that? Is there a joy in that? Is your consecration so far, so minimal that you haven't even experienced and tapped into the wonder of your Father helping you through this life? See, he wants to. Church, look what it says. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away, and behold, the new things have come. Meaning, hey, your old way of life is over. Now the new thing, God, Emmanuel with you, is there. And our job is to be for his purpose and let him live through us. That's the joy. That's why they... what did the Magi do? They, they were joyful with exceeding joy. Two times they had to put it in there. They were so excited. Are you that excited? Are you living for your God? Or are you just like, oh, hum. I'm not here for God's purposes. I'm here for mine because I'm a better God than big God. That's what the world says. But church, be on target. Be about his purposes. See what he can do. See what he'll do through you. And then finally, write this one down. God with us involves persistently, being persistently focused. You gotta stay focused. It's hard, but you gotta come back to it. 
you got to work at it. It's hard. Any disciple can get sidetracked. Something shiny, you're like, where? We do that. Like, boy, and that's what the world wants. Hey, they want to distract you. Listen to this music. It's more fun than the music you hear at church. Listen, do this. It's more exciting. It gives you more excitement. And, and then we get so like, oh, yeah, maybe I need to do that. Something shiny and big, bigger and better. Woohoo! And we miss out. The Magi, I'm glad they didn't fall for that one. I mean, look at this. In verse 11. And after coming to the house, they saw the child and Mary his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Your magi, scholars, royalty, wealthy, and you come to an ordinary house. It's not the Taj Mahal, and you've got a mom, and everybody knows a mom of a toddler. She's not going to be all together looking great, especially that time of day, and then, you know what, with the toddler, and then she's going to have all these guests show up. She's not going to be happy. And then you got this toddler, two years old, wearing diapers, and my guess is needs a bath. And what was their response? Whoa, yeah, you know what? Let's go to the other place over there. That looks a little bit shinier. Looks a little bit more exciting. No, they fell and they worshiped because they knew this was Emmanuel, God with us. It was something, he was something worth investing in. You know, our world says it's the shiny things, that's it. But I'll tell you, I would rather have my God living in me, and I'm not perfect, than having everything in the world. Because that world, it's fleeting, and it's a lie, and it's, you're not living for it, you know, and you're living for God. You're going to understand truth because you're going to be enlightened. You're going to have the light on. They're living in darkness. They think that's the best way. Their way. God's way. That's why people don't accept Christ. Because why? They think they're better than God. And boy, that's a sad place to be. And here, these magi, they saw. They saw that this was God. They didn't need something shiny. They just were obedient. They were doing what God called them to do, his purpose. They were living outwardly. They didn't care, unashamed. They were following the truth, and they were so persistent. I tell you, when you follow God, there are some blessings there. Look, look what it says here. We'll go back to, to John. And in John chapter 4, verse 14, it says, it says, whoever drinks the water that I give him shall never thirst. And the water that I give him will become to him a well of water springing up in eternal life. What's he saying here? He's saying, the world offers you something, and it's never going to quench your thirst. Me, I quench your thirst. And you know what? I'm going to give you something that lasts for all eternity. So not only are we getting the temporal meaning God with us, help now to live the life that everyone should be living, we also get the eternal because the eternal has already begun in you because you have God with you. And so your life has already begun eternally in this temporal world. That's the joy of it all. And our God's not going to leave us hanging. 
He's, he's a father who's going to give better gifts than the world could ever imagine. You might go, well, my gift doesn't seem too great. Oh, it's God knows exactly what you need. He knows exactly what time to help you. He knows exactly he's not going to hold it back. And he didn't hold it back from the Magi. And it says, and having been warned by God in a dream, they returned, they, not to return to Herod, they went, the Magi left for their own country another way. See, they understood. They heard from God. They, God guided them. God guides us. He helps us. That's what a child of God gets. Help. And you're sitting there going, well, I want the shiny new thing. Does it help? Maybe it will. But our biggest thing is God with us, helping us consecrate our lives, to live it for him. That was his sole purpose in coming. I'm going to invite Masato up. And we're going to get ready for communion. But understand what it says here. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes, meaning acts on it, in him, will not perish, but have eternal life. You've got to act. And there's so many people that know about Jesus but never act on it. Is that you? Maybe you're not saved. Maybe you need Jesus right now. I'm going to invite you to do that. To ask Jesus to come in. To sanctify you so you can begin your journey. Are you tired of being God? Do you want Jesus' way? Maybe there's a Christian in here that went back to acting like God. How's that working out? This time of Advent, I was reminded that it's much like the Lent before Easter. It's our time to prepare our hearts for God. It's your time to come clean with God and be truthful with yourself. So I'm going to pray for us, and then the ushers will come forward, hand out the elements, and hold on to those, okay? But let's bow right now. Lord God, you know that person in this room that needs you. Lord, I pray that they would just say, Jesus, I need you to save me, to come into my life, to make me new, so that I can live for you and live with you, God, with me. Just ask him to come in and save me. And then there's a Christian, and that might be you going, God, I'm not letting you live through me. I'm ashamed. I like my ways better. If your heart's beating fast, that's good. Let God deal with you. Repent of that. Admit to it. Agree with God. And then say, God, I want you back in the driver's seat. Lord God, as we prepare our hearts now, you know the hearts of these people here and people that are watching. I pray, God, that you would do a mighty, mighty work. I pray that you would touch hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name.